Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Welcome to a very special edition of the Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. I'm your host, Jer McCarthy, and you can follow me on my social media, Instagram, and Twitter accounts at jermccarthy 74 This week, our entire podcast is dedicated to women in football. First up is Lisa Fallon, who is the first female football panelist on RTE television, covering men's international and Champions League matches. Next, we'll hear from former Republic of Ireland International Senior Women's Manager and current FIFA Women's Football Consultant, Sue Rowland. We'll also speak to former Cork LGFA Senior Footballer and current Shelburne FC and Republic of Ireland International, Sir Noonan. And finally, Cork City Women's FC's Under-17 Manager, Sarah Healy, talks about women in grassroots football and what's involved if you're interested in pursuing a career in coaching. That's all to come on this week's very special Women in Sport podcast. One of RTE's most highly regarded analysts, co-commentators and TV pundits, Lisa Fallon, has enjoyed an amazing football and media career. A UEFA Pro licence holder, the current head coach of Galway United FC men's first team and former Cork City first team coach as well as former Northern Ireland senior men's international opposition analyst, joined us on this week's Women in Sport podcast. Okay, it's a real thrill to have the first team head coach of Galway United League of Ireland on the Women in Sport podcast with us this week and that is none other than RT analyst as well and and, uh, quite a long number of jobs and very impressive CV um, with us today and that's Lisa Fallon. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us. No problem at all. Um, An easy one to start with, your background and your qualifications before we talk about coaching include a sports science qualification and I was just eager to ask you how has that helped you not alone with coaching but with dealing with players yeah, I think, um, gosh, it's, it's a long time ago now, Jer, that um, I was 1995 when I was at university. So sports science was actually a relatively new phenomenon at that at that stage. So I went to England to study um, sports science and I actually combined it with English because I, I was worried that I wouldn't have a backup. So in case the, the sports career didn't take off. So, um, but from a sports science perspective, I think what it really did was it gave me an understanding of how your physical being transfers to what you're able to do on the pitch is probably the best way that I can explain it in terms of, you know, the psychology, the nutrition, the fitness training methods, how different training methods apply to uh, developing different skills um, and the the players' capacity to execute those skills, and then how players learn and how um, how to coach um, skills and and generate um, repetition and how to help them to become really excellent at doing something. Um, and and I suppose from that then. It, 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 because it was sports science then, it's how do you transfer that to soccer or football? Um, because the application of the principles of all of those things are quite different for each sport. Um, so like to say, for, like, I wouldn't feel that I would be a very good rugby coach because I don't know the game um, and I don't know the individual skills to coach them properly or the, the particular strengths or weaknesses like in terms of when our strength and conditioning coaches how to get them to focus on the right areas um of of the players physicality and stuff to transfer that for them to be able to execute the soccer skills um and the demands of the game that we want of them and um, so th- that stuff i suppose 
came, you know, early in my career, but it did give me an understanding of the relationship between all of those elements and the player's actual capacity to be able to perform on the pitch. Um, and, and I suppose from that perspective, then it's individualising it, not just down to the player themselves as a person, but also the demands of their position and all of those different things, because it really is different the way a goalkeeper will prepare and train will be different to a centre forward or a winger. So it's just about having that understanding that when you take them out into the coaching sessions and the football sessions, that the sessions are actually designed to help them to perform at their maximum and execute the game plan that we want in any given game. That experience, and that's fascinating, but that experience that you gained both as a player, both as a student and eventually as a coach took you to some very, to varying um, organisations, but all high high performance units. I'm thinking Jim Gavin and the Dublin footballers, Michael O'Neill at the 2016 Euros with Northern Ireland. Can you just kind of, your roles with both of those groups and working working with those people, how enjoyable was it first of all and how much in, in, in such a high performance environment, especially I'm interested in the dubs as well, how demanding was it um, and fulfilling? Yeah, I mean, it was brilliant. I mean, at the time, I, I actually started with Northern Ireland, believe it or not, back in 2012. So I had almost six years with them up until the end of 2017. And then at the end of 2017, um, I made the decision then I had the opportunity to go in with the Dublin um, senior footballers and I just felt I wouldn't be able to do all of it um, so um, I had a chat with Michael O'Neill and he like was delighted for me to have that opportunity to go and do something different and I still would keep in touch with him when he's at Stoke and stuff but but certainly um, yeah the, the Northern Ireland experience I suppose because I was working at Cork City um, and obviously Cork City had a great rivalry with Dundalk and you know we were the top two teams in the country but what happened when I went to work with Northern Ireland was I actually learned and got exposed to a higher level of the game because a lot of the players that we were dealing with were Premier League players or Championship players and you know how different they were in terms of the speed they moved the ball, the physicality, um, their thought processes, um, their decision making on the pitch all sorts of things and it really exposed me to a new level of the game um, a faster level of the game um, and uh, so from that perspective and then that was just working with the you know having the chance to kind of be in and around the Northern Ireland training sessions and stuff like that but then once I started doing the opposition an- analysis really then you're looking at like we had port like I've done two World Cup qualifying campaigns with Northern Ireland and then the Euros in between so the first qualifying campaign um, Portugal were in the group and you know Ronaldo was was, was in the team um, in the Euros um, Robert Lewandowski was playing for Poland Poland were in the group um, Germany were in the group and Ukraine so and how you prepare for different games and how you look at each players the players individually um, and how you st- help to strategize towards how, what the game plan will be to negate those players or to expose them or all sorts of different elements so but really I remember being on the pitch when Portugal were warming up and it was just like at the time I was quite you know I was in my early years as an analyst as an opposition analyst and it just 
to see the speed um, that he moved the ball, that Ronaldo moved the ball at, and the physicality of him. There was a, like an aura about him, mm. and I really, it was almost like it was kind of breathtaking uh, and a little bit fearsome as well. Like that, you're kind of going, "God, this is a different level altogether." And it, it, I knew straight away if I was going to survive in that type of environment, I was going to have to up my game. I was going to have to see the game quicker. I was going to have to um, understand it at a different level. Um, and so for for those six years, like I said, across those two World Cup qualifying campaigns and then the Euros, it was brilliant because uh, you're analysing those players at that level all the time and ha- and then seeing, you know, how do we prepare for that in training? How do we execute the game plan in the match? How do we have to make those little changes to the game plan during the game you have to spot them early in the game to fix them and and, and all of that and for me being in that environment was an incredible learning curve Um, it was you know it was a low key role but I learned so so much um, in in those six years just that level of exposure at that level of the game Um, and I think you know as across all of that I was doing my B licence into my A licence and into my pro licence um, and at the same time obviously working with Cork City so those those experiences definitely helped me um, in terms of the coach I ultimately became and how I saw the game and different ways to, to look at it and I think as well when you work with different coaches you you work with them you learn different personalities different styles um, and the same with every player and every group the culture of every group is really different um, and I would have found that again when I was at Chelsea um, and also then supposed to pick up on your question about working with Dublin senior footballers again it was exactly the same thing a different sport but the the winning culture the winning mentality the demand to be winners and to be relentless um and demanding excellence all the time so to be in that environment again was was fantastic um my role was kind of to have a look at that environment and see how could it be elevated or uh, could it be challenged and, and, and all of that so um, and look at it through a different lens I suppose so it was a really interesting experience I loved it um, again brilliant people to work with see the game through a different lens um, and also see their game through a you know, see Gaelic football and and try and see is there things that can transfer and all that. So it was it was really fascinating, um, and I loved my time there. I learned a lot in that environment too. Um, and um, but that's what I say every environment you're in, you really have that capacity to push yourself on um, and be open to learning and open to seeing things differently. And then what that also does then is that allows you to have a look in the mirror and challenge yourself and go well. I thought about that and that might have been my my philosophy, but maybe there's a different way to do it or could I add a layer to it or could I take a layer off? And, you know, you're constantly challenging the way you think about the game. And um, and I think that happens with every match I watch or every match you, you're looking at the different managers. How do they prepare? How do they set it up? How do they change it? How do they teams react to different things? It's It's fascinating and I just, I absolutely love it, to be honest with you. Yeah, and like there's two things that come that come to mind when I'm when I'm listening to you answer there, uh, Lisa. First of all, your passion, your sheer passion for the sport and for the game, and the second thing is you're always learning. You've never stopped learning, which is why I kind of went back to the original question of your your sports science qualification at the at the beginning. All those things that you've learned as a manager, as a coach, as a player in different environments, it's clear to me 
they come out when you're on television as an analyst because you're one of RT's best analysts. But how much of your experiences as coach, manager and all those things, how much of that goes into the preparation for a typical television appearance, um, especially when you're, you know, you're analysing a specific game and opposition? Is it the same as it was when you were the opposition analyst uh, for Michael O'Neill or is it slightly different when you're on television? Yeah, it kind of is actually. I probably I probably prepare for each game in a similar way to the way I would prepare. Obviously, you don't have to go into as much detail on TV um, as you would um, when you're preparing a team or preparing, you know, presentations for players and, and stuff like that. But it would be, um, yeah, I think definitely it, there would be a lot of consistencies in, in terms of the, the way I would prepare. Um, but at the same time, I think you can't, you, you have to prepare so you have the knowledge, but every game, you have to respect every game and you have to treat it for what it is um, because the game, as soon as the first whistle goes in a game, the game is going to take you on the journey, not the other way. You're not bringing the game with you. The game takes you with it um, and you have to be open to go wherever the game goes. Um, and that's why I think you have to have your bank of knowledge and you have to have your, your homework done as such so that you can interpret things that happen in the game in, in a relevant way but I think um, you know the game very much I mean I've never I've never watched the amount of games I've watched I've never seen two games the same um, and that's the beauty of it is that you know the game really takes you on the journey and you're just there to to kind of be part of it and almost give yourself to the game and see where it takes you and, and that's what, that, that's a lovely thing because you, you you know you can do your preparation for the start of the game but once the first time, first whistle goes you don't know where you're going to be at half time and you certainly don't know where you're going to be at the end so you just have to go with this it's 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 brilliant brilliant and look just finally um with your qualifications and you've reached the very top level of coaching in this country never before have there been as many uh young female coaches beginning their journey looking to get their first of all their uefa coach or their fai coaching badges and then moving on to the uefa elite um qualifications somebody with your experience what advice would you give to any young woman who is setting out on this on this journey um what are the kind of challenges that they'll face and why is it why is it worthwhile lisa because you obviously did it and you obviously enjoyed it but why is it for somebody who might be considering becoming a coach considering taking their badges what's the real benefit of doing this what's the best thing about it but also the types of challenges that they're likely to face yeah i think it's if it's something you love um, you'll always have the motivation to keep going. That's the first thing, regardless of the setbacks. And listen, I suppose my journey has probably had quite a few setbacks, but I would hope that um, I would hope that some of the learnings from my experiences can can help the pathway for people for for other females that want to that love this and love coaching and and believe in it and and it's something that they really want to do i'd like to hope that it it won't be as difficult um and that there will be more opportunities um in terms of advice i would say you know, number one, never compromise your dreams. Definitely don't do that. I did. I compromised them and said, oh, maybe I should do this because I wouldn't be able to do that. And um, and I'm, I'm a little bit sorry that, that I did that. Um, but certainly surround yourself with good people. Surround yourself with people who tell you you can um, because there's loads of people that will tell you you can't. Um, but t- surround yourself with the people who believe in you um, and who believe in your potential um, and who will tell you that you can. Um, and then just be yourself. 
yourself. Just be authentic, you know, focus on the role as opposed to focus on being a female being doing the role. Um, I think that for me was one of the, the most important things was that I never... I never thought, I never saw myself as a female coach. I only ever saw myself as a football coach. Mm-hmm. Um, it just happened that other people saw me as being female, which I can't help. There's nothing, if people see that as being different, that's that's their lens, not mine. I'm just there to do my job and, and to be a football coach. Um, so, you know, they, I suppose that would be the one. And then I suppose the other one is, you know, it's a difficult era in terms of social media and all that type of stuff, you know, and it can be really difficult when people put themselves out there, um, at this, particularly at the start when they're learning and they're developing. Um, and the one thing I would say is, and it's a great piece of advice I've actually given myself, I wish I'd got it a bit earlier, um, but just don't take criticism from somebody that you wouldn't take advice from because you know people can be very critical um, and it's easy sometimes to be critical rather than to look at someone and see what are they doing really well um, and how can you enhance that experience Um, because the one thing I've learned as a coach is that to never underestimate the impact that you can have on somebody's life Um, and I don't just mean that as a footballer or a player or an athlete but as a person um, and if you are going to have an impact on somebody's life to make it a positive impact be 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 someone that they remember as someone who helped them and not someone who knocked them um, be, be the person that helps somebody or encourages them or gives them a lift because it is difficult um, so yeah I think um, that would be it like and listen as the challenges come um, if they come and you know just never be afraid to speak about them and, and like I said surround yourself with people who'll help and who'll listen and who'll give you good advice um, and that's that for me is 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 quite important um, but never to feel alone always to to have mentors or people who you can talk to because um, there can and often will be challenges and that's why I say it's really important to have good people around you who'll help you address those challenges and those setbacks and that they, they keep you keep giving you the, the you can um, message as opposed to ah, no, you, you, you know maybe you're, you're better off knocking it on the head you know that's the easy route The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Sue Ronan is the former head of women's football at the FAI a UEFA Pro Licence Coach holder, Ronan managed the Republic of Ireland Women's International Senior Team between 2010 and 2016. Now a FIFA Women's Football Consultant, I spoke to Sue about her career and what the future holds for both Irish and international women's football. Now, we're delighted uh, to be joined by a women's football consultant with FIFA and former Republic of Ireland International Manager, Sue Ronan. Sue, thanks very much for joining the Women in Sport podcast. No problem, dear at all. It's good to talk to you again. It's been a while um, and since I last spoke to you, you have become extremely busy. Can you tell us what your role with FIFA involves um, and what your, uh, how busy it is? Yeah, um, so I'm a consultant now with FIFA um, for women's football. So uh, effectively, I'm, I'm helping FIFA develop uh, women's football right around the world, really, from, you know, any corner of the world. It could be a country in the Oceania region or it could be a country in Europe or it could be a country in Asia, whoever really is looking for support. Um, FIFA offer a number of... Uh, they, they offer support across a number of programs, development programs, uh, that are available for every country, effectively, in the world. There's 211 MAs, member associations, and they can all apply for support uh, 
under annual fees development programs and they range from basically helping a country write a strategy for women's football, countries that would have very little, um, to maybe getting more girls playing through a women's football campaign, like festivals as such, uh, or it could be at the higher end of the spectrum, uh, helping them with league development, helping them introduce club licensing into their top league, or indeed uh, through capacity building for coaches or administrators. So it's right across the spectrum. It's every area of the game I would have worked at here uh, myself uh, in in Ireland so it's it's, uh, it's been great it's challenging it's really enjoyable um, it's very rewarding you know you, you're, you're dealing with countries who have very very little some countries have very very little and you know they just want help and they're delighted to get that help and I'm happy to share any expertise that I have so it's, it's very enjoyable so far I have to say That's quite a wide ranging brief for the role that you have can I ask you how difficult um, the global pandemic has made that um, in doing what you do or has it just opened doors to meet more people online and through I don't know online Zoom meetings Do you know it absolutely has opened doors or enabled a lot more maybe to be done I suppose online Um, previously uh, that support offered by FIFA they had uh, consultants or experts who travelled to each country that wanted that help um, so you were you know you were on site maybe uh, you, you might have gone to, into a country that wanted a help with a women's strategy you were on site maybe for a week um, you know and trying to do work to, to find out well what exactly they have you know where they want to get to, how they're going to get there and trying to do that in a week with them was obviously going to be a hard task now obviously there would have been um, further, you know, uh, touch points with them uh, probably in the weeks and months after that. But being able to do that now on Zoom and, you know, doing that over a period of time and having contact on Zoom meetings and, you know, sitting in front of the various people that you need to sit in front of on the Zoom meetings, it's really been, it's really worked very, very well. Um, now, obviously, some things you can't do on Zoom, you can't deliver coaching courses, but you can certainly deliver... Um, you can deliver uh, capacity building for administrators and such, and you can you can deliver certain elements of coaching courses, but you can't do the, the practical and stuff. But look, it's it's really been great. It's been rewarding, and hopefully we're we're going to come out the other end of the pandemic soon enough, and then we'll be in a situation where we can actually travel to these countries and do the bits that need to be done on the ground. Okay, so from a worldwide perspective, FIFA are clearly doing a huge amount of work to promote the game of football for young girls and attracting more women to play the game. In Ireland, from your experience of being the international manager, from being on grassroots level, how happy are you with the progress the game is making here and the pace at which it's happening? Yeah, um, look, just certainly during my time uh, in the FAI, there was huge developments made, particularly at the grassroots level. Um, over the, the what, 10, 15 years that I was there, we really grew the numbers usually. And I think I probably mentioned this before, like those the participation numbers went through the roof, particularly with the introduction of the Soccer Sisters program that really encouraged young girls to play and want to play the game. Um, then we implemented all sorts of uh, different programs for girls, like elite programs for underage, uh, better talent. Um, new leagues were popping up around the country. We had structures to cater for them, um, and indeed at the, the the higher level, then the national league was obviously introduced, um, and then the under 17, and I know this year the under 19 has come in, and that's been in the pipeline for a while. So there certainly has been a, a lot done. Um, can we do more? Of course, we can do more. Um, I think more absolutely needs to be done. 
it's great to see now the profile around the league um, and around the, the underage league, particularly the women's one. There's huge profile around it now. I mean, you can't open Twitter now without seeing uh, previews or, or reviews um, or, or the games live or goals or whatever. And that's absolutely fantastic. And that's that that should be the case uh, and needs to be the case because that famous saying can't be can't be you know we want to encourage more players number one and we want to encourage more interest and we want to encourage more uh, try to secure more brand more uh, partners uh, commercial partners and then obviously then hopefully TV interest it has to be visible it has to be seen and not only are you getting more players and maybe you've got girls that might want to be coaches you might want you might want to be referees so that visibility now that's going into the game is hugely welcomed and it wasn't just from the FAI side either where it needed to improve. It also needs to improve in the general media. Um, and I mean, certain se- sectors are, are always, always would always uh, profile it, um, yourself, uh, particularly Jer and others like you. But I mean, the, the, the broader media, you know, they weren't doing enough for long enough. And it wasn't just football, it's every sport, women's sport. I think they're realising that now. And indeed, you know, you do hear the results of the matches being previewed on the radio even and, and the results given and even on TV now on a Sunday night you generally get them on RTA whereas previously you wouldn't. Um, so it definitely has come a long way but of course we can always do more uh, to improve that, you know, without, without a shadow of a doubt. Very well said. And just finally, Sue, from somebody uh, who's always been so passionate about the game, both as a player, both as a coach, your new role is far-reaching. I mean, we're talking worldwide. How have you adapted to it and how much are you enjoying it, being a consultant, having been the player, the coach and the manager as well? You know, I'm really, really enjoying it, I have to say. Um, as I said uh, earlier, I'm dealing with countries that have really have very little. And, you know, the... the the, the the thanks nearly comes out of the screen when you're you're talking to them on Zoom, you know, because they're just delighted with any bit of help or support that's being given to them to try and help them develop. I mean, they just want it so badly, you know. So I'm really really enjoying it. Um, can't wait till till all the lockdowns and the pandemic is, is is behind us, and I can actually travel to these countries and be on the ground and meet these people and physically get out and help them, and of course get back on the pitch as well because. Of course, you miss that um, from from playing, which is a long time ago now. But from the coaching piece, is, is a little bit more recent. But certainly, uh, you know, when, when I get to visit these countries, yeah, I'll, I'll be back on the pitch in terms of uh, doing coaching courses and stuff. But look, I'm really, really enjoying it so far, and I'm blessed to have the role. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, it was the next step in my career, and I, I'm delighted with it so far. The Big Red Bench, Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Saoirse Noonan is a former Cork LGFA senior footballer who is now fully focused on her soccer career. The former Cork City striker joined Shelburne ahead of the season's Women's National League and has made a hugely positive impact. Noonan was recently called up to the Irish international senior team by Vera Paw and came on the podcast to speak about her career plus her new company, Freedom Clothing. Now, it's a real thrill to have former Cork City and current Shelburne striker Saoirse Noonan on the Women in Sport podcast with us and, of course, now also a full Republic of Ireland international. Saoirse, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Ger. Not at all. How does that sound when somebody says to you you're a full Republic of Ireland international? Um, it sounds a bit weird, I suppose. It's something that I've been working towards for a long time now, and I suppose for it to kind of be true now and to be involved with the girls um, even in the group chat and something it's surreal 
Um, you're not, you mean, you're not unfamiliar with the international setup from previous, you know, you played underage and represented your country before, but the moment of Vera Paul called you up and you got to go and what was that experience like finding out and then the experience itself of going to Iceland and taking on the Icelandic team? Yeah, it was all really quick to be honest. Um, the week leading up to it, we had our final league game, which was the first um, series of games. And then we were nearly um, in camp the next day. So I think it all kind of happened really quick for me. Um, I didn't really get time to time to pop home and do the usual um, chill out with the family. So it was a bit hectic. Um, but yeah, look, it's, a, it's something that every every girl wants and a moment that I'll cherish forever and definitely memories that, that I'll hold on to for life. Yeah, and look, you've been very serious about this as a career move. I mean, moving to Dublin, um, I mean, I won't say the comforts of, but you're a Cork girl and moving from Cork and going up to Dublin, it's not easy at the at the beginning. I'd imagine there's a bit of a bedding in period, but you've settled or you seem to have settled very well at Shells and are going. things are going extremely well for you because the team itself is, is challenging at the top of the table. Yeah, I'm definitely a home bird and I suppose moving up to Dublin was, was a step um, in itself. But look, the girls have been brilliant. Uh, all the staff have been brilliant. Noel's been really understanding everything staff. That definitely helps um, being a court girl coming up to the big smoke. Um, but yeah, look, I, I suppose it takes time to find your feet in the first first couple of games. I was still performing and then as I started to move up and stuff, I kind of started to struggle a bit. But it's just just a mindset and I suppose I could just change change a few things in myself and just focus on my own game and not be wearing too much. And thankfully now, Things are going well, and we played game this this weekend against Piedmont. So, um, yeah, I'm going into that one again. Yes, I was coming to that because that is uh, a top of the table clash, to put it mildly, two of probably the most consistent and informed teams in the Women's National League. This is really where you test yourselves and you see where you are at in terms of how, how far Shelburne have, have come along. Yeah, this is definitely where I want to be um, in my career to claim competing for the league and playing against Piedmont when we know. Um, whoever gets the three points is going to be it's going to be absolutely huge so yeah it's exciting um, last time we played them we performed well and I think we're we are still missing as a group and now now we're kind of finding our feet more and getting our rhythm um, and we're creating a lot of chances and we just need to put them away now and hopefully hopefully Saturday will be a good day for us Can I ask you is there anything specific on your own game that you've worked on um, since moving to Shells you were saying they're like obviously you know, you struggle at a new club. Everyone does it in the beginning. But f- does finding your feet mean changing the type of game that you play? Because you're very good at holding the ball up and bringing everyone else into play. But you're scoring and getting into those getting into those kind of areas in the penalty area where you can do damage. How much has Noel King helped in that regard? Yeah, um, Noel's been brilliant. I think when I originally came in, he kind of just said, um, do what you're doing and just try and enjoy it. Um, and I always knew kind of tracking back the pitch was something that I used to work on. Um, I was good going forward, but I was always feeling that bit more running back and chasing back. So that was something that I've worked on a lot. Um, and then as well, Vera be ringing, giving a few tips on what on what I can work on to get into her Irish squad, um, which I've done so as well. So yeah, it's just all these small things just play a factor. And um, I've played a couple of games now with Chelsea on the wing, um, and I was kind of used to that from a bit with Cork City as well. So. So like everything, everything's just a bit different, and you just have to do your little bit for the team, and then obviously work on your own, on your own few things outside training. But it's been more or less the same. Just I suppose try to take myself to the next level, then and push on. Um, I would imagine when you're dealing or speaking to somebody like Vera Paul, consistency is the kind of word that she's used in previous 
uh, interviews about all the players in the Irish squad. She's looking for consistent performance from the players that want to play and represent Ireland at the highest level. I guess that's something that you've you've brought into your game and you're hoping to continue to do with Shelburne. Yeah, I think we all want to go out and have a brilliant game um, and score two or three goals every game. But the reality is you're not always going to be on top form. So I think these the games that you're kind of struggling or you might have had a tough week um, are the games that nearly matter because it's, it's how you go out and um, show yourself on those days because those are the days that will matter to you in your career when, when you're not feeling the best. But you need to still try to find a performance in somewhere and grit it out and work hard and um, everyone always says uh, hard work would be talent so that's something that you just need to find and that I've definitely been looking for and that will make you will make you the best and make you um, as consistent as you can be um, we, I have to ask because most of our previous conversations used to be around the Cork senior ladies football team I know you're keeping an eye on them and I know that you've made a career choice but you probably watched them through the league campaign and playing Dublin the other night what did that feel like for you um, watching on television because it wasn't that long ago you were out in the Crow Park pitch yourself and do you miss it? Yeah, definitely. Um, I stay in contact with most of the girls every week um, asking them how they get on in training and stuff. Um, it's probably not good for me sometimes because I never get too um, emotionally attached um, but it's something that I'll never let go and I'll keep an eye even when we're in Iceland um, we'd be sitting down watching a bit of the GA with us and Donny Galby Cork and it was on the big screen and we were all watching the caravan too so um, everyone everyone loves GA look and it's always going to have a big place in my heart and I watched them again against the dogs and I suppose knowing that you're that you have made my choice now and I can't can't um affect them and help them is a bit frustrating at times but it's something that I'm grateful for and I, I've got the rewards now and I've got what I wanted so I've broken to their team and I just keep working hard on that and staying there I have to ask what did Vera Paul think of ladies Gaelic football? Yeah sure I suppose she doesn't know the rules quite well but um, I think she she didn't say much she just kind of watched a little bit and asked a few questions um, it, was kind of, it was nice to see that she was wanted to learn our sport too and that's that's great to see from the manager again, um, and we've we've talked a lot about GA and me making my choices and how it benefited me and stuff. So, yeah, yeah, she definitely I think enjoyed uh, her couple of minutes of watching and I. Interesting, good stuff. Um, just finally on the pitch, look, it's great to hear that things are going well for you, Sirsha. You're obviously working extremely hard, um, as we know you would, but um to get your career up and running and or, or to even improve it but off the pitch tell us about Freedom Clothing and what's uh, what, what's involved there Yeah I suppose last lockdown um, with no training I was usually training five on the pitch at least five nights a week if I'm not training I was watching the session um, and I have two games every again so there wasn't much time for for a break and I suppose I kind of um, didn't know what to do with myself and I was just training in the mornings myself and I had all my evenings free so I just kind of I was doing a bit of coaching and I was just thinking, imagine if I had my own clothing line and just my cousin had years before and I just kind of um, contacted him and said, basically, how hey, help me set it up and see what happens. And um, yeah, I just it was just kind of, I suppose, a lockdown, a lockdown um, experiment and a bit of fun. Um, put my savings aside and said, if I blow it all, I blow it all. If I don't, it's brilliant. And yeah, look, I'm still here taking away a little night. It's enjoyable. It doesn't feel like an extra bit of work because I enjoy doing it. And when I see people wearing stuff that I've designed and stuff, it's, it's amazing as well. And it's definitely something that I will look at doing when 
with my, all my careers and um, hope that's a long, long time away. But um, for now, for now, it's just enjoying it and um, learning and trying to be a little bit of a businesswoman on the side as well as college and everything else that's going on. But yeah, it's, it's nice. Brilliant stuff. And where can people find out more about Freedom Clothing? Yeah, we have an Instagram page. It's freedom underscore official clothing and we have a website up and stuff and you can just pop on there and it's quite straightforward how to, how to purchase. So also quite appreciate it. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Sarah Healy is Cork City Women FC's under-17 manager. The young coach and manager joined us on the Women in Sport podcast to talk about females coaching in a male-dominated sport, as well as Cork City's chances of success in this season's Women's National Under-17 League. Now, we're joined by the Cork City Under-17's Women's Manager, Sarah Healy, who you will hear from the background is very, very busy <laughs> at this time uh, as we do this, as we conduct this interview. So I'm really appreciative of her time. Sarah, thank you for joining the Women in Sport podcast, first of all. No problem at all. It's a pleasure to be on. Thank you. Can you explain the excitement and drama that's going on behind you and what's happening? <laughs> right now we're running our Cork City Camp down in Connor, so we have all the, the kids in the background playing their matches. Um, how many kids, and God bless you for doing it? Uh, we have 50 kids. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, just uh, they're all running around here enjoying the sunshine. Good stuff. Well, that's great to hear. Um, Sarah, you're the Cork City Under-17 Women's Manager, but you have been involved in coaching for quite a long time. First of all, what's your background in, t- in terms of why did you get into coaching to begin with? Um, I suppose from a young age, I've always played the game and I've always watched the game and loved the game. I wouldn't have been the best player myself. So uh, I, I found a passion then in, in teaching the game to others because I, I had a knowledge for the game and I could understand it. Just wasn't the best player myself, but was able to coach it better and teach it. Um, what kind of qualifications have you acquired thus far? Um, I'm up as far as my UEFA B licence and on my UEFA A licence course. Um, can you give us an exa- an idea roughly, of, not necessarily in hours now, but the amount of time and effort it has taken and why the course is so popular? Um, it, as in why the A licence is so popular? Or? Yeah, just in general, all of those courses that you've undertaken because most of the coaches that we interview, they've all undertaken the UEFA licence course at some stage. But just for people who may not have even uh, thought about taking one up or might take one up in the future, why would you recommend it? Oh, I'd, I'd recommend it if, if you want to, to get a knowledge of the game and an insights to the game at a higher level. It's, it's, it's really good. They go into the details, the hours of the video analysis, the hours of like, all the other sides of the games that you wouldn't think of um, other than just the game is all involved in the courses and then the, the people you meet on the courses as well is like something you can't replace that the, the, the people on your course is always a good like uh, stuck for words now <laughs> okay no it's just a good experience for you basically yeah basically yeah um, on those courses and whilst you've completed them have there been many women taking part in the, or taking up those UEFA B or UEFA C licences even I'm not on the courses I've been on. On my A license, we've had one one other female participant. On my B license, I was the only female participant. Um, and then up through the other levels, there had been one or two on C licenses and uh, kickstarts, which is now PDP ones. Okay, so there's no reason a woman can't take up this course. Why wouldn't she be able for it? So, why? What would you say to other women who might be thinking about it, who are involved in football, and might want to go a little bit further with their coaching? I would definitely say get involved and to apply for the courses. There's been the, the female only um, B license that's been run, and I know a few female coaches that are involved in that, and that 
I would highly recommend that. But I'd also highly recommend just doing the course in general, um, whether it's with the females or, or only or, or with the male courses as well. Because you learn a lot from the from the people on your course. Yeah, I was going to suggest that. I mean, obviously, there's quite a lot of it's academic. You have to do a bit of study, but it's what you I would imagine it's what you pick up on the pitch and what you pick up from other coaches, which is invaluable. When yeah, when you're just having the the conversations, at, even at your lunch in the in the football conversations, it's that kind of knowledge that those things stick with you as well. Those little conversations with people on your course. Um, how much of what you took learned in those courses have you been able to transfer onto the training pitch with Cork City Under Seventeens? Ah, uh, yeah, a good bit of everything I, I've really learned, I suppose, um, and through experience and as well of doing things, you, you're definitely able to implement everything you learn from the course with video analysis and. Uh, the tactical side of the game, yeah. You, so like everything you've learned from like the use of a tactics board to how to present stuff to players and stuff like that, that would all come into play then when you're at your sessions with Cork City as well. Um, you're clearly passionate about coaching. It's something you enjoy doing, Sarah, and it's obviously something you've taken on now as a manager of a team with Cork City under 17. You got off to a fantastic start this year uh, against Treaty United. Yeah, so we we played Treaty United in our in our first opening game of the season this year in Bishopstown. And uh, we had a 3-1 win and it was fantastic. And obviously, Alicia's goal then to, to seal it, the 3-1 was yes. phenomenal. And, and that great advertisement for the for the women's game to, to get that tweeted and watched so many times all over the world. Yes, I, I've seen it on social media. I was just coming to it. Is that down to your coaching? <laughs> no, I can't take credit for her left foot. <laughs> no, she had a good left foot now, to be fair. <laughs> Fair play. And Sarah, just finally, obviously you love managing, um, you love coaching. I mean, you're coaching even now in between doing what you normally do with Cork City. It's something you want to continue for the rest of your career and move up through the ranks, I would imagine. Uh, yeah, definitely. It's definitely something I, I, I'd want to stay involved with. I just have a, a great love of the game and think that I've able to pass the knowledge on to the younger ages and give them the best experience I can at their time with 17s. That's it for another Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. Remember to subscribe to The Big Red Bench on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can also listen online at redextra.ie. Don't forget to tune in to The Big Red Bench with Rory O'Hagan, Colm O'Sullivan and Valerie Wheeler between 6 and 7pm on the radio every Saturday and Sunday. Follow The Big Red Bench across all our social media channels as well as visiting our official website redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench, Saturday and Sunday from 6pm, Cork's Red FM.